Eddie and Bhatia Jacobs have dedicated this year in honor of the marriage of their children, which is taking place at this moment. The reason I'm not at the wedding is so I could be here and say that there's a wedding. Where is it? Oh God, how you Someplace. Someplace very nice. Probably warmer than it is here. Okay, I'd like to talk about I'd like to talk about Yehuda. Yehuda, the fourth son of Yaakov, who became who became the king in Israel. I mean, what do we know about Yehuda as we've met him through all these parshim? So the first thing that I remind you of is not on the sheet, but it's perhaps worthy of reminding. Leah had three sons, Reuben, Shimon, and Levi. And then the Pasuk says, this Pasuk is a Perik Kaftet, the last Pasuk, Pasuk Lamed Hay, 35. Vatar old Ben, she became pregnant and had another son. Vatomer Hapam Odet Hashem. says, now I give thanks to God. Yehuda. The word Yehuda reminds us of the Hebrew word Lehodot. Lehodot. Rashi explains what does this mean? What 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 happened? In, what was she thinking? Shenatati yoter michelki. Right. In other words, she said there are four wives and there are going to be twelve children. So that means that somehow each of the wives should have three children. And she had a fourth. So from this you learn, from this we learn, that even events that you consider to be natural, like statistically reasonable, is uh, they're worthy of thanksgiving. And this idea was invented by Leah and Yehuda together. I mean, Yehuda didn't have much to do with it. He was just born. But somehow this idea uh, uh, rests with him as well. That uh, uh, to thank God includes statistically reasonable events. Like people always had gave birth. So, all right, in the olden times, those times, it was a little bit more dangerous to give birth than it is today. But it was still considered to be natural. Some people lived and some people died. It wasn't something remarkable that people lived, and children, that babies lived. It was perhaps statistically less obvious, but it was nevertheless what you would call natural. It was the way it worked. And yet, Leah said about this natural event, not Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, but about Yehuda, that she would thank God especially. And she had a certain way of reasoning it. We, it was either correct or obviously it was not correct. And because she had four children, and not just three. So that's where we meet Yehuda. Yehuda is under this uh, banner of Lahodot, which makes him, differentiates him from
from the other children of Yaakov, although we don't know exactly what that differentiation means. Now the next time we meet Yehuda was with that when Yehuda, his brothers, Ruvain especially, had to kind of deal with the appearance of Yosef. You remember that Yosef was sent by his father to look for his brothers. And Yosef, even though he knew that his brothers were not his greatest fans, uh, went and he did it. He found them. And then the brothers all decided that they would kill him. They would do him in. Uh, Ruvain suggested that they don't kill him actively, but kill him passively. Like today there's a distinction between homicide and manslaughter. Like, like if you run somebody down with your car, but you're not looking, that's called manslaughter. You run somebody down with your car and you are looking, that's called murder. So there's this distinction that Ruvain understood. But then uh, Yehuda had this, had a problem with this. And the way he approached it, he went to the brothers and he said, you see the pasuk, the first pasuk of the sheet, Vayom Yehuda el echav, ma betza ki narogat achinu vekisinu et damor, ma betza. What is the prophet? Uh, Rashi says, What are we going to make? Meaning we're going to lose out on money, right? And then we will, according to this plan, we will cover up his blood. What do you mean cover up his blood? We will hide the fact that he is dead. We'll hide the fact that he is dead. So, so here again, here's Yehuda. Now the two things you have to say about Yehuda at this point. He felt, he felt an obligation to take the reins of leadership. And we don't know why he felt that way. Why Yehuda did it. But on the other hand, the argument was not very noble. It wasn't like Yehuda said, we can't kill him, or murder is forbidden, or, or something of that sort. What Yehuda said was, we can make a dollar here, so let's make a dollar. Why should we just kill him when we can sell him? That was Yehuda's, Yehuda's point, and, and that argument won the day. So you see there are two, these two aspects. On the one hand, on the one hand, Yehuda, uh, on the one hand, Yehuda takes leadership. He sees that he's, uh, Ruvain is gone. And he, he decides that he's the one who has to make this determination. He doesn't want to kill Yosef. But he doesn't think that he can achieve a moral argument. And, and tell the brothers that, you know, it's, it's also to murder your, your own brother. Since Cain the Hevel, I mean, we haven't heard of such a, such an event. Instead, he says, let's make money on the deal. Okay? The next time we meet Yehuda in the Torah is the story, with the story of Tamar. Tamar was his daughter-in-law, and her husband, Shela, died. And um, she had no, uh, uh, there was no future for her, there was no hope, so she 
assumed the dress of a prostitute, had relations with uh, Yehuda, and um, had children, Zarech and Peretz. Um, Shiloh was too young. What? Yes. Shiloh was too young. Yeah, he was still too young. Right. In any, in, in any event, this is not such a noble story. It's not a story, but it ends with a noble point that uh, Yehuda promised the prostitute that he would compensate her, and she had uh, things that belonged to him, and. Uh, so finally she comes out with it that Yehuda is the one who who uh, made her pregnant and uh, he's responsible somehow and Yehuda makes this statement you see the pasuk by Yaker Yehuda and he realized Yehuda realized that she had exposed him and she knew the truth by Yomer Sadka Mimeni that's the famous those are the famous words of Yehuda she is more righteous than I I didn't allow her to marry Sheila my son and that was the end of the relationship so a call comes Rashi and Rashi says this you see Tzadka she is more righteous than I was I mean I Yehuda didn't know he didn't know who she was but she was the righteous one so so Chazal and Rashi follows Chazal divide up this statement into two separate statements it's as though Yehuda said, Sadka, she is righteous, or she is correct, or she is worthy, right? Mimeni confession. It was I who did it. I made her pregnant. That's what, that's what Yehuda says. Mimeni he meuberet. So Rashi accepts the position of Chazal, which is that you have to read the statement that Yehuda made, that Sadka Mimeni, because there is no Mimeni. He didn't say anything. It's not like her argument is better than my argument. That can't be what Mimeni means, because Yehuda didn't have an argument. He didn't know what, what happened. So the way they read it is Sadka, she is righteous. Mimeni, confession. I am the one who did it. Right? Raboteinu Zaldarshu. Right? Raboteinu Zaldarshu. She gets Abbat Kol Vamra, Mimeni, Umeiti, Yatsu Advarim. And Chazal have a different take on it. Not on the separation of the two words. Sadka, Mimeni. But who said me many? Right? Yet kol. Bat kol is a, a synonym sort of for God. A voice from heaven. There was a voice from heaven. Yatsa voice from heaven. Vamra, and the voice said, Mimeni umeiti yatsu hadvarim. I, HaKadosh Bochu, made this happen. How did I make this happen? Lefisha ita tsnu'a bevet chamiya. 
right? Since she was Snua, she, Tamar, was, I mean, you can imagine saying about a prostitute that she's Snua. It's a look interesting. She was Snua, she was modest. Bevet Chamiha. Who's Chamiha? Yehuda. How do we know that she was Snua? Bevet Chamiha. How do we know that she was a very modest woman? Because he didn't recognize her. He didn't know who she was. So she was Tznu'a Beveit Chamiya. Right? Gazarti Sheitzumi Menem Lachim. Right? You know, so, so in heaven it was decided that her progeny, that her progeny would be kings. The kings of Israel would come from the, ultimately this union of Yehuda and, and Tamar. Umishavit Yehuda Gazarti Lamid Mulachim Bi Israel and further along Gazarti that's in heaven. There's a decision in heaven that the kings of Israel should come from Yehuda. So even though even though like at the first glance, when you look at first at this story, it would seem it would seem that Yehuda is at fault. There doesn't seem to be anything too. Uh, uh, he's not acting too responsibly or so, or positively. Nevertheless, Chazal turned it around, and that's what Rashi says. Rashi says that Chazal see this, see this as a reward, as as a reward for Tamar, who was an exceptional person. So we see that Yehuda. Yehuda was an exceptional pers- per, uh, person uh, because he arranged the sale of Yosef instead of um, killing Yosef either slowly or quickly and, and that his uh, uh, or the woman who bore him children was also a remarkable person and this was all because Yehuda was granted the opportunity to become the king of Israel or the, uh, the author of the, uh, the the one who is going to become the king of Israel okay that's what that's what it says that's what it says in the uh, in the Pasuk and in Rashi now if you look at the next source which is Breshit Perik Bem Dalit Vayigashe Lav Yehuda that's last week's parsha, right so Chazal understand this in a very special way. Here's Yehuda standing up to Yosef. Yosef, who's the king of Egypt. Right? He's the second in the king of Egypt, but he's really got all the, he has all the powers of kingship in Israel. He's the greatest king in the world at that time. He's the master of the world's economy. Right, everything. It's hard to imagine the kind of power that Yosef had as described in the the Torah. And ultimately, all the land in Egypt reverted back to Paro. Imagine. And, And of course, Yosef was the only one who could pull that off. So the power that he represented, the power that he represented was overwhelming. At the same time, Yosef has decided to keep 
Binyamin as a um, surety uh, in order to make sure that his father Yaakov would come to Egypt which is not such a great I, which doesn't look that good to the outsiders or to the brothers who were there and here's Yehuda he decided that it's up to him that he has to say something he has to stand up the, okay Yehuda promised his father that, but still you would imagine that there would be a little bit of kind of fear in Yehuda so let's see how Chazal read read this part of the story Vayigash love Yehuda that means please I want to just say something for your ears who they say today ears only like don't tell the rest of the world he says Rashi it's like it's like he's saying to him listen I want you to pay close attention one place to go to so you see already according to Chazal Yehuda was not did not express inferiority standing before Yosef he said I want you to listen carefully you don't say that to somebody you wouldn't say that to the president of the United States listen carefully maybe you would today he says the continuation of the Pasuk do not be angry with your servant me Yehuda Rashi this is you learn that it was a very tough talk very tough talk so here's little Yehuda who comes from no place who has no power who, has, uh, who hasn't got uh, any, any way of dealing with the power that Yosef represents he says to him don't get angry at me but I've got to tell it to you straight what does he have to tell him straight Ki kamocha keparo. That's the continuation of the pasuk, right? Ki kamocha keparo. You are just like paro. What do you? So when you read the pasuk, it means I'm afraid of you, just as I would be afraid of paro. Don't think that I that I differentiate. I, I'm, I'm nervous. You're you're paro. You're also paro. Chazal, Rashi, Chashuv ata be'enai kimelech zepshuto. Now sometimes. Rashi says Zepshuton and then he says Umedrashon and what he means is this is my opinion what he means is that the correct interpretation is the Medrash even though he Rashi said Anilobati Ela Lepshuto Shul Mikra he says it several times in his commentary in parishes of Bracious and Noach I am a Pashtan Rashi said I want to just tell you what it means. I want you to be able to read the Psukim and understand it. But sometimes, Rashi says, Pshat just doesn't work. You don't get the idea. Now look at what Rashi says. Rashi says, You are for me a king. You are the king of Egypt. So that means that, according to Rashi, Yehuda is expressing his uh, his understanding of the situation. I'm nobody, and you're somebody. I'm weak, and you're strong, and that's what Yehuda is introducing. It's in order to to kind of mollify or or to be able to speak to to Yosef at all. You've got to give him this kind of compliment. 
Zelp Shuto Medrash Show. Listen. Sofcha Lelkot Alav Bitzaraat Kimol Shekala Laka Paro Al Yedei Ziknati Sarah Alayla Achat Sheikva. He says, according to the Drash, according to Drash, Yehuda says to Yosef, you are going to end up a leper. You're going to be punished with leprosy. Just like the preceding Pharaoh was punished by leprosy because he kept Sarah, my uh, grandmother, great-grandmother, you know, uh, he kept her uh, away from her husband for one day or one night. He says, uh, so, so the drash is exactly the opposite of the pshat. The pshat is, the pshat is, uh, I recognize the fact that I'm nothing and that you're something. And what's the drash? The drash is, I'm in charge here. Yehuda says to Yosef, I'm in charge. Because if you don't pay attention to me, if you don't do what I want, you're going to end up like Paro, who didn't listen to, who didn't recognize Avram Avinu. He didn't recognize who he was and how he should act. And so, Yaakov, so, uh, so Paro turned out to be a leper. And you also turned out to be a leper. The drash, the a second kind of drash, right? A second, uh, a second drash, uh, where is it? The Barcher, Ma Paro Gazor, Gozer Veinomekayen, Maftiach Veinomekayen, Avatakayen, Bechizo, Bechizo, he simat ayin, Shamat al Asumen Chala. This is what simat ayin meant that he, when, when he told them to bring Binyamin with them, you know, he said, I'll watch over him. I'll watch over. Now you want to put him into jail? So, so Yehuda is saying, this is what you call Sibat Ayin. You don't talk that way to a king. You, you said you'd watch him. Now you're saying you throw him into jail? This is this one. If you annoy me, if you speak the wrong, if you say the wrong thing, I will kill you and your and in your and your uh, uh, leader, your ruler. So you see, interesting. Pshat is totally the opposite of drash, which, according to Rashi, is the correct interpretation without a doubt. The drash, otherwise he wouldn't have brought it. You don't have to bring a drash. Drash is optional. There are like hundreds of drashot that Rashi never mentions in his, com- in his commentary, but he always tries to move in the direction of pshat. In this case, Rashi, what Rashi is telling us is like sometimes you cannot read the words in the pasuk alone to get the idea. And what is the idea? What is the idea? That Yosef, Yosef is being denied his role as king. It, it, it happens right here, the Vayigash, last week's parasha. Yosef is being removed from contention as king of Israel. 
even though Yosef ends up getting a certain privilege of Bechorah, right? Two of his sons, Ephraim and Menashe, become part of the tribes of Israel. So he gets twice as much, you could say. I mean, that itself is debatable. But okay, let's say he gets twice as much, at least. It looks like he gets twice as much. But he loses kingship, even though he may have gone to Yaakov and say, listen, I've been practicing being king in Egypt. That's a big place. I mean, uh, to become king of Israel is a lot easier. But here in these Sukim, Rashi says, Yehuda understands that, that whatever it is that takes kingship to become a king, he has it. He, Yehuda, has it. And according to the Pshat and Rashi, according to the interpretation of Rashi, even though it's not at all clear from the Pesukim, Yehuda is saying to Yosef, I'm in charge. It's time you did what you should do and not ignore responsibility. Now, of course, Yehuda didn't know that Yosef, at this point, didn't know that Yosef was his brother. Nevertheless, that's what he, that's what he did. Next Pasuk. Next time we meet Yehuda. Yehuda goes back after Yosef uh, admits who he is and tells him, bring your father and, and, and whoever's there and I'll give him a good deal. That's Yosef. Yehuda goes back to Yaakov and tells him all of this, that his son is still alive and that we're going to go back and, uh, okay, so Yaakov agrees. I mean, Yaakov agrees. Breshit Perik Ben Vav the Pasuk says, Vet Yehuda shalach lefanav al Yosef lorot lefanav goshida he said, he said, Yehuda back first back to Egypt Lahorot lefanav, that word lehorot, which means maybe to teach or to to uh, to indicate something, it's not so clear, we'll see Rashi, lefanav goshen to goshen the place where they're going to make their new home Vayavo Arza Goshen Vayavo Arza Goshen Rashi says Lohorot Lefadav Ketar Gumo That means Ugolus Who said Lifnot Lo Makom Ulohorot Ech Yit Yashevo In other words, according to Ugolus Yehuda was the project manager but he was going to make the houses and the, the halls and the, the rooms and, and, and the place and bring water and electricity and whatever, whatever you have to do in order to make a, a, a compound where you could live. So Rashi says, And all that will be done because Yehud will go quickly and it will be done before, uh, before Yaakov gets there. Medrash again Rashi, the word lahorot is is not a, 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 the expected word. You know, you could have had there are others lahadrichoto, lesaderoto, levnototo. But lahorot is a kind of a, a word that expresses a, a different kind of idea. So Rashi says medrash agada. Medrash agada is less than medrasho. It was here. When he says Medrash Agada, he means it's not Pshat, but it's a worthy idea. It's a worthy idea, not like with the, the previous time where, he, where the Medrash negates the Pshat. Here the Medrash is another layer. The Medrash Agada, Lohorot Lefanav, Letakein Lo Beit Talmud, Shabisham Tetzei Hora'ah. So who was chosen to bring the Torah to Egypt so that 
when Yaakov and his family comes, he would be able to learn, it was Yehuda. So Yehuda apparently has these two qualities, right? The quality of Malchut, being able to stand up to Yosef, and he has another quality, he's able to bring the Torah and to set up a place of Torah in a new, in a new land, in a new place. Right, so you know that that uh, one of the concerns of Malchut, one of the concerns of Malchut in general is uh, that people who become kings might exhibit a lack of humility, and lack of humility means that they would not be easily, uh, uh, not easily appreciate the directives of the Torah. So that's why the king of Israel is required to strap a Torah onto his right arm. Like a mezuzah, almost, but it's a whole sefer Torah. And he, that's how he walks around, indicating that he accepts the authority of the of the Torah, which was a problem. And when later on, when people suggested that there should be a king, because politically and economically it was better for the community to have a king than to than not to have a king, Shmuel Hanavi was opposed even though he was given the job at the end to anoint Saul, king of Israel, nevertheless he was opposed because he felt that you know that the chances that a king would turn into an undesirable force were great and outweighed the advantages that you might get. But Yehuda, Yehuda who was going to be ultimately the king as we have seen, he had also this um, kind of dedication to Torah learning such that Yaakov sent him to, uh, to the land of Israel and uh, there he would uh, set up a Beit Midrash. The next Pasuk says, Yosef He, I guess, tied the horses onto the, whatever you call it, onto the wagon. He went up to greet Israel, his father, Goshna, in Goshen, I love, and he was, saw him suddenly, he pulled out he fell on his around his neck, out further on his on his necks. So Rashi says this by there is this kind of uh, this idea, right? You know, Avram Avinu Abraham You have to do a mitzvah, so it's always better to do it sooner than to do it later. Even if you have theoretically the mitzvah to be done all day, I love you can do the tilat love all day on Sukkot. I mean, so but you do it as soon as you can. You don't wait until. 15 minutes before Shkiat HaChama to do the mitzvah, right? Similarly, uh, we learn this from Avram Avinu. We learn from Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu had to do a mitzvah, had to take his son to Haram Oriyah, and uh, he thought, give him as a korban to, uh, to God. So he got up early in the morning, even though it, it was a kind of a day trip. He could have got on, gotten up a little bit later, but the Gemara, the Gemara learns from that, that that you do a mitzvah. When you have to do a mitzvah, you do it zrizut. And so here, Rashi says that Yosef, who was going to do the mitzvah of Kibbut Av, did it zrizut. He, he tied the, 
uh, he he uh, reigned time so the, the horses to the chariots that would take him to his father because he wanted it done quickly right quickly then the pasuk says Vayech Ev got Savarav Od it's like twice it says Vayipol al Savarav Vayev got Savarav he fell on his neck right I guess in a clutch and then he cried more and more and so he says Od the word Od is Harbot Bechia a lot of a lot of crying a lot of crying no the rest of Rashi Afkan, if you look at the last, next to the last line in this Rashi, Afkan here, Babo, Sif, Bibchi, Yotel, Ragil, Avol Yaakov, Lo Nafal, Atzare, Yosef, Velo, Nishako. Shelo Nishako. So what does Rashi say? Rashi says, Yosef was extremely, how does he read the Pasuk? We'll look at the Pasuk. He says, Vayera elav, vayipol al tzavarav, vayipol al tzavarav, that's Yosef. Vayef al tzavarav, oh, that he continued to cry. He, singular. He did it. He, Yosef, did it. So that Yosef was overwhelmed to see his father, but his father, who spent all these years in Avelut, a mourning for his lost son who never contacted him and never uh, wrote to him and said look I'm really okay don't worry uh, Yaakov was not so happy about it and the last line in the Rashi is so you can explain that in a variety of ways the way I understand he was means that he was doing something else he purposely did something else. He was reading Shema Yisrael. So he could not cry on Yosef's shoulders. But it seems to me that this is the primary indicator that Yosef lost Malchut in the family. Right? That Yosef was not going to become the king of, of Israel. That somehow he had read himself out of the, out of the deal. Okay, finally, well, there are two more psukim. That has to do with not notifying his father that he was... I, I would think so. That his father, that's what Chazal says, father mourned for him all those years. And, and Yosef could have improved the situation by just telling his father that he was there. On the other hand, maybe it was very important that Yosef should not be uncovered, that no one should know who Yosef really is which might have other kinds of repercussions. Hard to know. But that's what Rabbi Taylor said, that he was reading Shema Yisrael, and therefore he did not respond to, to Yosef. But I think it means what I told you I think it means. How? What, what's the question? What? How did you make that conclusion? That he, lost, he forfeited the Malchus? Well, he definitely forfeited the Malchus. That's not my conclusion. It was passed on no, to the Yehuda. Because of um, the, the meeting between Yaakov and Yosef. Not because. It's not because. It's just reflective of the fact that he couldn't be Melech because he was. He did not find favor in his father's eyes. In fact, Yosef disappeared. I mean, there are different ways of looking at it. You could say that Yosef got Pishnaim, Ephraim, and Nashem. 
But at the end of the day, there was no tribe named Yosef. Because Yosef not only uh, adopted the role of an Egyptian, he, he disappeared. He, he, Yosef, disappeared from, from our history, and he became Ephraim and Menashe, who were whoever they were, but they didn't, they didn't go from one extreme to the other. Yosef may have done it for the sake of the Jewish people, so to speak, but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't have, that it didn't have implications, that Yosef was not changed. That he, that he had to uh, somehow come to grips with his new identity. But we're not talking about Yosef, we're talking about Yehuda. So Yehuda, there's one more puzzle, two more psukim that are very important. One is the bracha. In our parasha, we finally got to our parasha, Vayechi, the bracha that um, um, Yaakov gives to Yehuda. Gur Aryeh Yehuda. Gur Aryeh is a a lion cub. Yehuda, mi teref bini alita. Teref bini must be Yosef. Teref bini, mi teref bini alita, mi teref bini alita. Both are possible. You get up, kara, ravat, kaarye. You kind of crouch down like an arye. Uchelavi, another name for arye, mi ikimenu. That's what the that's what the pasuk says. What does Rashi say? Kurarye Yehuda. Rashi says Al David that the pasuk is really talking about David Amelech. Betchilagur biyotcha u Melech Aleinu Atahayita Hamotziva Mevi at Yisrael when Shaul was the king. You David were the Prime, prime mover, you became the captain of Israel. That's Gur. Ulevasov Aryeh Shemlichu Alehem. So Gur Aryeh in Rashi is two different statements. Gur, first you were a little guy. You know, you were just, you know, you had your little army and you had your people, but Shaul was the king. Aryeh, then you became an Aryeh. First you are, uh, you ruled um, in the beginning, a uh, small ruler, and then you became a, uh, a major ruler. Terev is to, to uh, it says in the Pasuk, Terev. Bini Alita. Teref is to, uh, what's a good translation? Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't mean Teref because there was no Teref. But Tarof, Taraf Yosef, that's what Yaakov thought. He thought Yosef had been dismembered, right? Thought totally destroyed. Bi Teref, Betarov Taraf Yosef. Chayara Achalatu. That's what, that's what Yaakov said. Vizehu Yehuda Shenimshal Laaryeh. He says, Alita. Alita, you, you, you got out of it. I thought you were, but I see that you're not. I see you, Yehuda, 
Alita. Now you have to remember that word Alita. It's a very important, a very important word. Bini Alita, Rashi, select it. That's with you. you. You got yourself away from that. Right? You said we've got to make some money from this. Tamar Therefore, you 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 uh, uh, sat on your haunches, uh, No, everything. In other words, what is what is Yaakov saying to to Yehuda? You had you had difficult moments, but you rose above them. You got yourself out of them. In, in, in other words, this becomes, this becomes the rationale that Yaakov is giving for appointing uh, uh, Yehuda the king. Because he had this sense of, of justice, of fairness, of, of honesty that pushed him out of bad situations that he was in. That was something, it, 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 it was a kingly quality that he had. Not that he was perfect, but that he was able to overcome his own imperfections. That's what Rashi says that Yaakov is saying, is saying to him. Then the next pasuk, the next pasuk, if you look, no, the next pasuk, Yud, Lo Yatsu Shevet Bi Yisrael Bi Yehuda Mechokek Bi Bein Raglav Aki Yavol Shilo Velo Yikat Abim. So this is like a very famous pasuk which nobody really understands, and and it's important to read the Rashi here carefully. Rashi says, Rashi says, he says Lo Yatsu Shevet Bi Yehuda Mi David VeElach. So first of all, he says Shevet is authority. Shevet is a staff. It's a, a staff indicating authority, right? All the kings and queens in the, in the world, they have a staff. They all have a staff. And it's not just to call the chamberlain to, uh, to give them a cup of tea. But the staff is a sign of authority. That's a Shevet, which is a sign of, of authority. So he says, this is true. Lo Shevet Not never... But again, mi David ve'elach, from the time that David becomes king of forever, you will have kingship. And so Rashi adds, Eilu Rashi Galu Yotzim Bavel, Shirodim Ta'am B'Shevet Shememunim Al Pi Hamalchut. And so he says, you can say, so where are they today? Where? What do you mean, Lo Yasur? That there'll always be a king of Yehuda. So Rashi says that even in Bavel. In Babel we saw that there was, there are Reishay Gola, Rosh Gola, the head of the diaspora. And the head of the diaspora came from the family of King David. So, so, uh, so you see that the Chorban, that the destruction of, of the temple does not equal the destruction of the house of David. That some of the house of David goes on. And even, I suppose it means, Rashi means, even though today we may not know who that is, but he's there someplace. Like this, this king, this person who could be king is there with us someplace. These are the heads of the community in Babel. They are 
they're tough with the people, they have a shevet, they have a staff, that the, that the kings of Persia, Babylon and Persia, appoint them as the kings of, as the kings of Israel, and therefore they have real power. Talmidim, Bibain Raglav. That's that's the little people. Elu Nisiei Eretz Yisrael. Okay, Adjene and they are Nisiei Eretz Yisrael. Next part of the pasuk is Adki Avoshilo, Adki Avoshilo. Melech Hamashiach Shemal Shamlucha Shelo. Until all of this goes on, until the Mashiach, who is the King, right? The Mashiach, who is the King, Shamlucha Shelo. He has kingship. So there's a, a further explanation. First explanation is that Shiloh is the Mashiach. And the second interpretation is Shiloh. Shiloh, Shiloh, Shin Yud Lamed Vav. Can also be read as two words. Yaviyu Shai Labora, Shiloh, that he gets a present. Something special. Right? Okay. So you see, you see that Yaakov's blessing, Yaakov's blessing to Yehuda was that he would become king. That his qualities, the, the, the negative qualities, or the, the less than perfect things that Yehuda did in his life, it helped us to understand that Yehuda deserved kingship because he was able to overcome. He was able to, to see things straight after being, after being oppressed and offensive. So now, you see the first two psukim in Shoftim. You remember Shoftim? This is a country we're supposed to learn Tanakh. Shoftim, Vayhi Achrei Mot Yoshua, Vayhi Yoshua died. In other words, all of these things that we've said about the Chumash, about Yehuda, about kingship, they were all known to B'nai Yisrael. However, however, they also knew that the kingship of Yehuda starts with David HaMelech. And David HaMelech was yet several hundred years away. So the people, after Yoshua bin Nun died, they said, Who is going to go up? Yehuda Ya'aleh. Yehuda Ya'aleh. Neinatati et ha'aretz so Yehuda, Yehuda becomes Yehuda Ya'aleh. Yehuda Ya'aleh. And you remember what does Rashi say? What did Rashi say? Uh, what did Rashi say? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. He alita. So that he always had this quality. He always had this quality of being able to take charge, of being able to lead. That's what he did actually when he said Babetza, even if you disagree with his method, 
with his modus operandi and, and Mabetza, where he told the brothers they'd make money. Nevertheless, he had this quality of, of leadership. It was whether he was king or not king, he had that he had that special quality. Now there are two more things that I want to say. One is uh, one is this Midrash. The Midrash is based on you see where it says Davarachev, you look at the sixth line, the seventh line, the first word is Dalit Aleph. Right? Dalit Aleph, it's a take on the Pasuk in Shira Shirim, Kulach Yafa Rayati. Kulach Yafa Rayati. It's like Shlomo Amelch is talking to, or HaKodesh Baruch Hu is talking to Klal Yisrael. Right? That's the, the uh, Medrash of Shira Shirim. Kulach Yafarayati, you are entirely the most beautiful uh, woman uh, imaginable. So the Medrash says, how can you say that? Because doesn't Klal Yisrael, doesn't Klal Yisrael include Ruvain and Shimon and Levi? And isn't it true that, that when uh, Yaakov gave them the bracha at the end of his life, he said, Ruvain, you're not really you're not really so great and Shiva and Levi is certainly not so great so how could you say Kula Yafa how can you say Kula Yafa Rayati that's the question and so the answer the answer is again this kind of an answer even though they did something that they should not have done Ruvain, Shimon and Levi nevertheless on some more exalted level uh at some more exalted level, they're still the tribes. They're still the sons of, of Yaakov. They're still going to make up uh, the foundation of Klal Yisrael. And so in the Midrash, in the Midrash they, they, uh, they play this double role. They, on the one hand, Reuben, Shimon, and Levi, I mean, it's perfectly clear, the Torah is quite uh, uh, clear about the fact that they... Uh, were limited and Yehuda of course with the story of Tamar that they were that they had these failures in their own personal lives nevertheless nevertheless they're seen as being the ones who laid the foundation who carried on the tradition who made past the Torah down from Yaakov to, the, to all of their own children so that uh, right so that that it's reasonable for the pasuk in, uh, in it's reasonable for the pasuk in Shir to say kulach yafarayati. That if you look correctly, if you look correctly, you see kulach yafa. You see everything. Everything is clear, and that's certainly true about uh, about. Uh, okay, it's certainly true about about uh, Yehuda. Now let's just look at the Svat Emet. The last thing, the, la- the last thing on the, on the uh, page. Omar Mori Uskeni Zal Ki Kolchoshel Yehuda Afilu B'Shat Shiflut Shehu Shochev Uka'ari Uka'lavi Yehuda, even if he is uh, he's in a bad situation, he does the wrong thing, 
He did what he did with Tamar and uh, and and with Yosef. He did he did things that he should not have done. This is this is what uh, the first the Gary Rebbe said. Even when he's down, he's despondent, he's unhappy, he's, uh, he has, he has uh, uh, denied the faith that people had in him. He's still like a lion, and a lioness. This is what happened in the story of Tamar. He admitted it. He was not embarrassed. And this is the quality that brings us to Mashiach. Like if you look at the name Yehuda, that's the Remes. Remember Yehuda had a mother whose name was Leah. And she said, Lahodot. I have to give thanks that Yehuda was born. And the Kabbalists say, okay, okay, but, but this, if you read the, the, the Pasuk, it says, Yud, read the name, Yud Kevav, okay, God's name, right, plus a Dalit. But what do you need the Dalit for? He says, the Ot Dalit, there's Ed on of an Ot Dalit, Lorot Ki Afilu Dal, Hey, Hashem, Imo, Adkan, Devaro. This is what the Rebbe said, the first Ger Rebbe. He said, the name Yehuda, name Yehuda, has that Dalit in it. Dalit, 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 Lamed, Taf. The, the name Dalit, Lamed, Taf, has the Hebrew word in it. Which Hebrew word? Dalit, Lamed. Which means impoverished, weak. Un, unsuccessful so you have God's name and Dalit Dalit Lamedav which means weak unsuccessful so the Rebbe said that that means that even when you are a Dalit God is still with you God is still with you because you're the great white hope without without a doubt that's what my grandfather said and you could add that he had a special power of giving in that's what Yehuda means that he limits himself he doesn't think so highly of himself that he can't do tshuva that even even with his power he he says that he is not so so impressive he's not so sure so that's remember Mika Mocha Kiparon you know he, he says something for Yosef 
and he says something, there's a real himself into it, this power that comes out of it. So that the leadership, I mean, the quality of leadership that is being described by the Svatamet, and which was described by the first Gera Rebbe, and which seems to me to be described in the Rashis as we go along, is like an innate kind of power, but the ability the ability to downsize that power, to downplay it, and to, to make sure that everybody understands, everybody understands that there's a, a good way out of things. Like Babetza. He says, Even when he's down, he has that power of a lion. I mean, a lion, it's true, when the lion crouches down, and you look, you look at the lion, I think, I once saw a lion in a safari in South Africa, everybody was very excited, but it seemed to me that when you look at his power, I mean, not that the, the lion doesn't have to do anything powerful, it just radiates this idea of, of uh, power. The who, be'emet mitat, so he goes through this again and again that, that, that the, the quality that we're talking about that Yehuda had with which he was able he was able to kind of achieve Malchut to get the Malchut was not that he was perfect was not that he sat and learned Torah all the time. And you have the story of the Avot, is the story of starting from Avon Ravina, who achieved a certain kind of perfection, even though he was living in the world, the inability of Yitzchak to follow that. Yitzchak was also perfect, but he was not engaged. He wasn't engaged as Abraham was engaged. He didn't have to go from one place to another. He didn't have to convince anybody of anything. And then finally Yaakov. Yaakov like, is in the real world. He's in the real world that has to produce from that real world leadership. And that leadership came to Yehuda finally. Not because he was perfect. And not because everything that he did we admire. But because he was able to overcome his actual limitations, the things that he did that he should not have done. He was Karara Vatskarye. That's what the Begeri Rebbe says. That's what the Svatamet says. That somehow he was able to, to recover. He, he, to recover the Malchut through the strength that he had the, and the ability that he had to admit, uh, admit the weakness. So this is the story of Yehuda which is pretty explicitly uh, stated in the sources that we looked at today. And um, uh, so that's where, think about that. Today, there's a word that they use called leadership. Nobody knows exactly what that means, unless it means um, sexual misdemeanors and uh, (laughs) and stealing money. I mean, it could be that... That's how we see what? He had both of those. No, he didn't steal the money. Well, the money was. No, that's the difference. The difference is you steal the money. Because he's the leader, then that's what leadership is. No, I think that's what leadership is. That's what you can get. You can't get better than somebody who wants to fix himself. There's nothing better than that.
Okay. Uh, all the best.